0: Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of EdTech Today. My name is Kevin Hogan. I'm glad you found us with me today. Arez, uh, you are a returning guest. Uh, I guess it was about six months ago where we had the uh, unfortunate duty to talk about what else the pandemic and how schools were uh, responding to the the pandemic. Thankfully, uh, the news this week, uh, as we record, this was the announcement was yesterday, Um, some big news that doesn't necessarily involve the pandemic, but uh, my first question has been to all the executives that I've been speaking with, as I struggle to go to the supermarket just to get food without a, you know forgetting my mask or just getting basic functions done during the day. How do you make
1: a major merger during a global pandemic? It's a good question. I I think the pandemic in a lot of ways. Um, allowed people uh, some time back and there seems to be um, more focus and discipline, at least at the executive level. Uh, So, you know, people are more, uh, they stay put, they're more available uh, to have the conversations. But, you know, a lot of these things, uh, especially big mergers, you want to meet people in person, shake hands, look people in the eyes, and that's all obviously difficult. And now that we've completed this uh, merger, we're starting integration. And integration is definitely going to be more difficult uh, when people can't sit around the boardroom and talk.
0: Right. Uh, Talk about the timeline a little bit uh, with with, with Tierney. Is this something that was going on uh, before the pandemic, or is this something that you know, during this situation, you started to think about uh, different strategic maneuvers for the company.
1: Uh, Tyranny was definitely in right at the top of uh, the companies that we thought were synergetic to uh, the platform we created when we put CDI and Truxell together. It's a wonderful company with wonderful people, and there's a lot of um, match Um when it comes to customer base, uh, geography meshes very well together. So we absolutely thought about it before the pandemic, but uh, we started serious talks in uh, October of last year uh, and it took a while. Um, and then we finally uh, came to agreements on the financials and the details. And, uh, you know, I think we, um, we knew that this is very likely to happen uh, probably by the end of January of this year.
0: Okay. Uh, And talk about a lot of different moving parts. I mean, just as you're uh, putting together uh, a relationship like this at the same time, it seems like your customer base is going through one of the most dramatic crises uh, that it has ever had. So, And I know the last time we spoke, you talked about how you weren't necessarily an education technology company anymore. You're a customer service company where you're just basically spent time just responding in a triage fashion, almost to uh, helping schools and helping districts and helping educators just um, not only connect to, to survive, but somehow thrive as, as well. Talk a little bit about how you see how the landscape has changed in the K 12 public school district, uh,
1: landscape uh, as a result of this. Well there's been a lot of good work that has taken place over the last 13 months um, since last year March. Uh, A lot of districts have invested heavily in uh, technology and built up their digital platform. Um, Most either uh, have a hybrid and a remote learning solutions working or at least are uh, in the process of getting it done and I'm fairly certain that by the time that schools restart in August uh, or September in Canada, most districts will have a working solution just in case. I don't think that there's any more, um, there's any excuses that would be accepted if you don't have um, a, a remote and hybrid learning solutions ready to go. That said, you know th- this is all new, and you know you said uh, th- they've been dealing with uh, a catastrophe-like situation. But you know you don't want to let any good catastrophes go to waste. Um, the silver lining is that uh, education has finally uh, embraced technology, and I think that's going to serve them very well. I think the pandemic probably moved all of North American education forward by maybe three years when it comes to this platform. Uh, And we're finally seeing some results. So we're finally seeing um, software, hardware, training, uh, and services that are coming together in a way that are actually improving learning outcomes, which is something that was hard to uh, point to when it comes to technology over the last few years. So I'm excited. Uh, I think school districts will continue to deal with difficulties uh, for the next few years because the digital platform that they built is too big. Um, and they don't have the resources to necessarily support maintain it and uh, they're struggling and we are trying our best to become that you know outsourced service provider that can come in and support where uh, where they need help um, but I think they'll continue to struggle as they get comfortable with it um, and uh, you know the The good thing is that there's a lot of money sloshing around right now because of the three rounds. Uh, So they have the funds. Uh, It's really just a question of planning and execution right now. And I think those funds will stick around for the next few years. uh, And hopefully by then we'll make uh, smart decisions about continuing and funding them so that uh, things don't start breaking.
0: Right, budgeting for uh, the eventual maintenance that needs to go through and and keep that cycle going talk a little bit about um, some of the techniques you see some districts um, that maybe implemented them on the fly, just because it was something that needed to be done that may actually stick around uh, where, I mean, maybe they've, it's become an innovation that will maybe eventually become a standard. Like, I don't know, like the, the way we're communicating right now, I, I've mm-hmm. spoken to a number of districts who said like, this is the way they're going to have parent teacher conferences from here on out, forget about being in the principal's office and waiting in line and, and, and all the rest that this is a better way to communicate sometimes with parents one-to-one. I mean, that's, I'm just giving that as an example. Can you, can you think of any others off the top of your head that maybe three years ago, uh, if someone has said to you, well, this is the way schools are going to operate. You'd be like, forget about it. And now it's like, well, maybe so.
1: Yeah, I think that technology is changing um, a lot of things in education in a way that will stick around and get us some results, Um, I think I hope forever. Uh, So, you know, you mentioned uh, replacing in person meetings with uh, zoom like meetings. Um, I think that that's true uh, for a lot of kids that are going to be sick. Uh, So, you know, if you're a kid and you're sick, there's no more excuses not to learn that day. I think the whole idea of learning always uh, is taking root. Uh, Kids that have a device with them can do homework anywhere, can connect with other kids pretty much 24-7 when they're awake. So, I suspect that a lot of the concepts that we've talked about before the pandemic, like reversing the classroom and um, delivering curriculum across all times and all places, uh, they're now possible. And I expect that that should uh, help us and especially help us with kids that have situations that make it difficult for them to consistently show up in a classroom, you know, remote areas kids with uh, difficulties, learning disabilities with um, you know, other forms of disabilities that make it difficult to physically show up. I think that's all advantageous. I also think that the uh, having technology at the side of students all the time allows us to do things like micro testing uh, to make sure that kids are staying at pace and not wait for that once a month test to find out that somebody's three weeks behind. Um, collaboration and delivering of homework um, assessments, all of those things, you know, the moment that you get to the point where every kid has a device and everybody's connected with technology, the, the world of opportunity is open. I think where we're still short is that a lot of these technologies were not designed for classrooms. So, you know, we're, we're talking on Zoom. Zoom is not a classroom technology. Uh, so whether Zoom continues to build their platform to offer some classroom functionality, or whether uh, other software providers that do classroom management will add Zoom-like capabilities, we need purpose-built solutions for education. Those general uh, commercial-type solutions, they work, but they're not perfect for education. And we're starting to see companies that are tweaking these technologies to be a better fit for the classroom, and I think that's going to make a big difference.
0: as I ask this question, it's it's in the spirit of, uh, of my glass being half full. Uh, as as vaccines continue to to roll out, and looking specifically at North America, right, U.S. and Canada, uh, that this fall there will be back to normal as much as we can say it is a back to normal. Do you see some of the methods, such as um, you know? every district suddenly became a one-to-one district right on March 13th of 2020. How many do you think, or can you tell from, from your current interactions are planning to continue to have say a one-to-one setup where students are taking a device home? I mean, is that, is that something we don't have to talk about anymore? Or is that do you think that we might revert back and the focus will go back to that kind of classroom only instruction?
1: Um. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that this is not something that we will be negotiating uh, anymore. Um, we're seeing almost across the board acceptance that a device is the, the way that curriculum should be delivered. Uh, so I don't think that there's a way to go back um, we're seeing a lot of districts that are now beyond one-to-one. If you actually count the number of devices, they have a device per student and then they have devices for coding labs and esports sports and, uh, and other uh, devices uh, connected to 3D printers and, and various other things. So, you know, we used to think that one-to-one is sort of the end results. Now we're seeing districts that are at 1.5 to one already. I don't think this is ever uh, gonna go back. I think that uh, there is just so much opportunity to take this platform and tweak it and make it better over time. And I think five years from now, the thought that we used to deliver curriculum without being able to see what students are doing at any point and giving them the ability to access all of this um, you know, 24 seven is gonna seem uh, antiquated. So I think it's a one way street from, from here on. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Well, that's a,
0: that, that's a, that's good news in my opinion. Uh, and it also seems that maybe that you know, in the grand scheme of things, the year and a half that we're talking about here might be that much, but maybe it was enough to change behaviors. It certainly seems to have changed the behaviors of students. My three beta testers here at home have completely pivoted. Um, you know, they are nonplussed about. Wherever they're having their classes, or you know, they really kind of have adjusted to that. Parents, maybe not as much. Parents, which we should talk about as well. That's a whole new equation from from my perspective. Um, but first, let me ask you: Do you do you think that it's that this was long enough in the behaviors that teachers, uh, specifically teachers and faculty, will be able to stop saying, "Well, this is the way we've always done it"?
1: I think. You have bookends, I mean, uh, teachers are extremely committed uh, professionals, um, but they range over many generations. So you have teachers that uh, are, have been around for 30 or 40 years that are maybe uh, not as comfortable with the new technology. And you have new teachers that were anxious to, uh, to get their hands on more technology. So I think as time goes, uh, it, the, the adoption um, is getting more, becoming more complete, but I absolutely think that it was long enough and drastic enough, the investment was big enough, uh, there was no option. You know, when, you, when, you, when you don't give people the option, then uh, what's left is, seems like a really good option. And I think it's been long enough that uh, there there is no way back. I think teachers, almost all the teachers that we're talking to are accepting uh, and are starting to get comfortable with this new world. Uh, I do believe that schools will open in the fall um, as close to normal as possible. I don't think that all kids will go back to uh, learning in person. I don't know what percentage of kids will... Uh, Parents will keep at home uh, now that it's an option. Um, I'm guessing it's going to be a small percentage, but there will always be uh, a bigger number of kids now that will be homeschooled or doing remote and hybrid learning. And I think the teachers that are not comfortable with this will probably slowly work their way out of the system because it's not going to be an option. Yeah. Uh, And I started to mention it before, but one of the big shifts that I've seen
0: just in my coverage of the education space and education technology specifically, is the the new inclusion of parents who became teaching assistants uh, around the world, right? Uh, I've written about education technology for 15 years, probably wrote about five stories that even involved a parent perspective. (laughs) It was always a student, a teacher, administrator. And, you know, even when you talked about remote learning. Um, it never seemed to be something that was part of the equation. Now, it now it's front and center, right? Can you talk a little bit about how maybe that's changed the way uh, you, you run
1: your operation? There's definitely more tools now that used to be classroom tools or maybe classroom, school and district tools that are now stretched uh, from the student in the classroom all the way to the parent. Um, so there's, a real focus on getting more information and feedback from the parents. Listen, this is a personal opinion, and I talk to a lot of parents. Uh, I think they're exhausted. So I think parents are actually not committed to a change in platform and are anxious to get their kids back into school. Uh, So I don't think that that will survive. I don't think as parents we're going to get more engaged and start taking responsibility, and I'm not sure we should. Uh, Mm. I think we have three million wonderful teachers uh, in North America that are anxious to get their kids back into classrooms. And I think the parents would be very happy to dump them back into a physical classroom and uh, go and uh, live their lives like they used to. So I don't think that's a long-term uh, solution. Now, that said, there is that small percentage of uh, parents that discovered that they can be more involved and um, figure that uh, this is a, a good way to keep their kids safe and uh, out of those dangerous high schools. And uh, there's going to be a small percentage of kids that will stay home.
0: Yeah. Well, what about from, from a perspective of maybe the interfaces uh, making it easier for parents to, to just kind of follow along, right? Maybe in terms of pushing assessments, or as you were mentioning, like, when Johnny's progress starts to take a left-hand turn, maybe the parent can find out about it three days instead of three weeks after, after the fact, right? I mean, is that, do you see that maybe there's been a software development acceleration that you mentioned three years that, and maybe even from a parent behavior, learning how to use this stuff as, as, as a more efficient way to to gauge and follow your kid's progress.
1: Yeah, we absolutely saw a lot of the platforms that, um, didn't have parent functionality before. Do now. Um, I think it's uh, it's it's a goal for most uh, classroom management or district SMS systems uh, to give some form of portal and accessibility to the data to the parents. I don't think it's difficult. You know, it seems to be a fairly easy plug-in. You're opening um, access to parents as long as the data is getting accumulated correctly within the district, uh, within the data systems, I think giving access, building some uh, user uh, input, you know, bi-directional input with parents is not very difficult. Um, so I think it's one of those functionality pieces that is now expected in any uh, software company that has a classroom and a district component will have a parent component. Yeah, I think that's very valuable because to some degree, if we don't want to sit and watch our kids uh, and and monitor them every minute, what we do want is some sort of a dashboard that tells us when things go wrong. So I think parents absolutely expect to have a much more uh, robust digital sort of data system to know what's going on with their kids. I know that I do. I mean, I, I don't trust my kids to do anything if they're not uh, monitored. Uh, sure. So You know, I I love some of the uh, platforms that uh, are available and on my kids school is uh, using one where we can have as as granular information as we want or just a a green, yellow, red uh, street light that tells us what to stick our noses into when they're not going in the right direction. Right, right. Exactly. That's what I love. <laughs> that's where I'm
0: at. Uh, well, let's talk about the uh, other side, the, the first B of the B2B side of this. So you, you have this merger, as you mentioned before, you have this new attention as well as uh, funding that's go- looks going to be flowing into public education over the next few years. How is that affecting the way in which you approach districts? and the way that you help your current customers uh, affect this change?
1: I think districts are expecting more from their vendors. The most common conversation that we're having is because this digital platform that they've invested on in over the last year and really over the last five years has gotten so big, their resources haven't changed. They don't have more technical people. So uh, the most common conversations we're having is we need less vendors that can handle more of our, of our technology and more of the life cycle. We need help with planning and professional development. We need you to install and maintain and warrant. We want a 1-800 number where we can buy and service and get help. Uh, and I think that's, that's our goal as a company. And I know that our competitors are thinking the same way. So. Long term, um, I think there's going to be less vendors and the capabilities of the ones that will survive will increase. We will have to learn how to do more, add product categories and become that single throat to choke uh, because education wants technology to disappear in a way. They want it to be invisible. Uh, the, they spend a lot of efforts on sourcing and building RFQs and integrating and maintaining and training and it's not exactly what teachers sign up for they want to teach kids so we all of this money sloshing around is a real responsibility because you don't want to buy technology that sits in closets and you don't want to create a platform that's too difficult to navigate so we have a responsibility on kind of helping build a focus when, when districts connect with us on what they really need. Some, some proven uh, technologies that get some learning outcome results and stay simple and are easy for the teachers to learn. And uh, that focused us a lot. You know, mm. we, used to, we used to provide what the districts asked for. You know, if you go back, it was really about fulfillment. You tell us what you need and we'll get it to you at the best possible price. Today, we find ourselves a lot more involved in planning and building RFQs and uh, training teachers and then maintaining uh, assets right through the life cycle. So at the
0: risk of dating myself, it almost reminds me of when IBM stopped selling AS400s and just became the business service partner for, for Corporate America, right? Just that kind of that, that shift to more services over uh, maybe just the delivery of, of
1: technology. I think they jumped out of hardware a little too quickly, um, you know, but, uh, but yes, there is absolutely uh, a move towards technology as a service. And, you know, the funding sources today for public education don't really allow for these creative as a service models Uh, They can't guarantee revenue streams in future years, but I think that's going to change. And ultimately, I think, yes, I think uh, what school districts really want is a cost per student per year that covers all of their technology uh, to simplify their budgeting process, to simplify their, um, you know, how they uh, maintain this technology. And I think it's just a question of time before we move to, uh, to that type of model.
0: Yeah. Let me move back a little bit to um, the use of technology and and how that may be shifting or have shifted. Um, Again, through years in the past, especially when you're looking at about district wide implementation of technology, it's very much a top down dynamic, right? A district would come in and and learning management system and they would tell the, the, the faculty what systems or what tools they could use. And they're very jealous over uh, obviously, over privacy and, and data and things like that. Something I think that shifted uh, over the past year, again, in, in, in the chaos of the situation, you found a lot more agency happening at the bottom uh, where teachers were finding tools and using tools and, you know, the whole idea like, you know, you're going to block YouTube. I'm sitting here at home and, and you're going to block YouTube for this. A lot of those things went out the window. Um do you think that that will have an effect when we when we go back to the new normal that will 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 there be a bottoms up uh agency for not only teachers but maybe even students i mean you see the the use of tiktok by students over the past year as a learning tool as a legitimate learning tool um it was pretty powerful stuff um talk a little bit about that where you see uh that pendulum uh, swinging
1: yeah You know, it's a good question because when you allow that, you know, call it the petri dish of of experimentation that happens from students or teachers, you're creating a, a load on the technical department to support, you know, a thousand different software packages and different types of devices and screen sizes. And it's a real challenge. So you have to find the balance between um, giving that freedom to experiment and for ideas to filter up because those are the users and they can tell you best what works for them and at the same time uh, allowing for centralized control of of devices and technology so that it doesn't become unmanageable uh, for technical departments Um, you know we historically sold to districts only and we dealt with tech departments mostly. Today, we find that there's a lot more stakeholders at the district level and right down to the the principals and teachers and they become part of the decision. So curriculum people and um, facilities people, there's just a a lot more stakeholders that are involved. I don't know, um, you know, the future if it's which direction it's gonna go, I think we'll kind of weave in between. Um, I will say this, the technology is becoming more uh, portable and more connected. Different software packages now talk to each other, APIs uh, becoming more common. It's becoming a little less painful when different people in a district or different schools are using different things. Uh, They're talking to each other a lot better and I think that's gonna continue. So there might be more flexible without the without the pain as we move forward.
0: Yeah. Well, Res, uh, I knew this would happen. The toughest thing would be to uh, to stop this conversation. There's so much to talk about, and and you have so many news. Uh, but uh, congratulations on on the merger this week. It's a, it's a big deal. Uh, thank you for the work that you do and that tyranny does and that have continued to do to help help students across this country in Canada. Um, and i look forward to speaking again soon hopefully maybe in person uh, at an event <laughs> like we like we used to kevin it's always a pleasure to talk to you and thanks everyone for watching the latest episode of edtech today